TV uh, on RTV 107.5. I'm Anastasia, and we were just li- listening to You Don't Own Me by Leslie Gore. Today in studio, I have Rafa with me, uh, Katika behind the booth, and Hello. our guests, Sisi and Zara from We Care Maastricht. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about We Care, um, what the concept is for the organization, um, what they do to support the recovery uh, for victims of sexual harassment, um, and also their new documentary that they've produced. Um, very exciting. Can you guys tell us a little bit about We Care? So We Care is a student organization. We started about uh, two years ago. Um, it started really slowly because it's a student initiative. So we had to find some time to find some more volunteers, but also to just set up the whole organization. Um, what we do is basically two things. The first thing is to um, raise awareness around issues uh, surrounding sexual violence. And the second thing is really directly supporting victim. Um, We cannot be offering any direct psychological or legal help because we're simply not qualified for that. So what we do is more bridge the gap between the authorities or the psychologists, for example, so that the victim is not alone going through that process and being confused as to where it is they have to go or just having to go alone to the police station. If you want to press charges can be very impressive, Mm -hmm. for example. So this is really what we're focusing on hmm. yeah so from yeah from what i understood it's also it's not that you can you can provide the facilities because yes you are the students right so it's more about like lending a hand when it comes to like handling the whole process right like answering the questions like where do i go like who do i talk to right exactly um 
And you also made the documentary, which Anastasia mentioned, like yeah. the name is Sunny Afternoon, right? Would you like to tell us something more about it? We are going to talk about the whole documentary, the the, uh, the topics it touches, but uh, the Sunny Afternoon, where, what, what about the name? So uh, mainly, firstly, uh, when we have to talk about uh, the whole project, uh, it's uh, Cecile and I. Mm -hmm. uh, I met Cecile in the Feminist of Maastricht. We are both active members there. And uh, I knew that she was uh, involved uh, in WeCare. And I told her, girl, I have to talk with you because I have an idea. I would like to make a short video to demystify the myth around, uh, like, demystify the circumstances around uh, sexual violence. And we say, okay, we are going to um, to post a call for testimonies. And we received uh, 30, 30 people. 30. Uh, 30, wow, yeah. 30 testimonies, or, like of, or just a message of people who wanted to uh, share their, their experience, uh, bad experience, of course. And we say, okay. No, it cannot be a 12-minute video on YouTube. Of course not. It cannot. So um, I'm a cinema lover, and Cecile is really like uh, also a law student and also a rational person. And, and a I, French person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm the emotional or artistic person. So mm. we matched together, and we decided, okay, we, with a lot of ambition, we are going to make a documentary. I think it's amazing that you got that many people uh, right away to be able to tell their story. You know, that's the thing that uh, Cecile and I, we are used to say, oh, uh, that's amazing, we, ha we have a lot of people, oh, that's amazing, we have another one, another one. And it's then not really amazing, right? It's we stop sad. the moment and we say, okay, no, <laughs> it's sad. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely. It's really sad. Cecile? And that made it a little bit difficult because there were some people that you kind of, I mean, at some point, we just cannot include that many people because mm. the, the, what matters to us is actually quality over quantity. So we're looking at certain testimonies and we have to kind of cut down on, you know, because of the editing. So we have of to course. choose, okay, this is important. Maybe this is not as important. And that's also really difficult for yeah. us to make these choices in there because it's their experience. So we don't want to be rephrasing it. So what we're doing right now is also through the editing process I'm just typing down everything that's been said and then I uh, send them the parts that we're going to keep mm -hmm. so that if there is something that they feel was misunderstood or that there's something they'd like to change or something they'd like to add on the other hand that's still within the victim's uh, possession to be doing that choice are all of those interviews uh, did all of those people come as anonymous person or like did someone actually come out with their full name on so that really depends we're never mentioning any names mm -hmm. um but uh because this is filmed obviously um some of them agreed to testify on open face uh mm -hmm. which was really uh very brave we think mm -hmm. uh, but most of them still will uh, want to be anonymous so we have a sort of cut sort of like a portrait uh down portrait shot from the shoulders down so that we can still have the hand movements and also the legs and you also convey a lot of things from this already the body movement the body language as well tells exactly. a lot, a lot right um, another question, when you, you've got, well, 30 people, right? Um, was it like a one demographic? Was it only women or was it men as well? Was it, so at if first, you can tell. Yeah, it was difficult because um, 
since we are also associated with feminist of Maastricht, mm-hmm. uh, we kind of had problems because we had only women come at first. Uh, it took quite a while for us to eventually manage to get some men. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had to go through certain kind of tricky ways to do so, but we did manage to get two men that agreed to testify in front of our camera, which we're very, very happy about, of course, and very, we understand the difficulties that men face when it comes to sexual violence, but for the both of us, uh, it was absolutely necessary that we had at least one man in there just for the sake of representation. Of course. Mm -hmm. And because they go through many different issues than females do when it comes to sexual violence. Mm. And then still the same, oh sorry. No, not worry. mm. Is uh, to to add on what Cecile said, uh, the the thing is, it's just not uh, a necessity of uh, uh, representation, it's really to say a rapist could be everyone and a victim could be everyone. Anyone. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's good to always like point that out because sometimes it's it can actually get lost. Like, of course, like we all support like women are, I suppose, like the biggest demographic, like when it comes to like the hex- sexual harassment. But like we cannot forget that there is like also like men, um, also people from the queer community. I think that's also like one that's hit heavily by like these kind of cases. Right. We'll be hit- hitting a song soon, I think. The name of the song will be um, The Right Woman, The Right Man by Aretha Franklin. Very powerful voice, speaking out for the topic. And after that, we are going to talk about your documentary. Take me to heart And I'll always love you And oh You should understand 
Hello, hello. That was The Right Woman, The Right Man by Aretha Franklin. This is SRM on air, Rafa speaking again. And today we have our fantastic guest, Cecile and Zara, speaking about their organization, We Care, um, about their documentary as well, which we are going to touch upon right now. The documentary name is Sunny Afternoon. And yeah, Zara, we already talked a bit about it, but like, give us some more information, like, because we know why did you make a documentary, but which topics does it actually touch? You know, what are the questions okay. raised? Uh, the early stages of a sunny afternoon are really like personal mm. as um, I recognize myself as my gender is a uh, is like a female, like I recognize myself as a woman. And I grew up in Belgium where we um, had been really touched by a huge affair of, of pedophilia. I don't know if you know. Oh, the, the recent one. I mean. No, Affaire du Trou. So it was in the oh. 90s. Oh, okay. Wow, yeah. And it touched really like the Belgian culture. Yeah. So when you were, um, so it was a, an affair of uh, rapt and kidnapping of um, small girls who were between uh, seven to twelve, and uh, this man um, raped and killed several, like more than twenty young girls. And our culture and our education uh, turned as a, as like young girls around it, as I could not uh, uh, just play in front of my house without an adult mm -hmm. to have an eye on me. I could not be even if just a friend in the garden, just both of us, just together alone. And uh, we grew up with the idea of, that we have to fear this creepy man in uh, the evening with a white van and one, and one day you grow up, you wake up and you discover that many of the, the sexual violence happened, happens, uh, happen. <laughs> yeah, it happens in, like by in, other perpetrators, right? It's not in a as, sunny yeah. afternoon. Mm. Yeah. In a not sunny afternoon and sometimes it's some, someone that you know and it's uh it's shiny and uh you trust this person it's not always an anonymous person so with this idea i said okay uh, i want to make something and i who uh, i say hi cecile uh, can you help me for this project <laughs> Uh, firstly, because um, I, s I felt something like a sensitivity in Cecile. Um, I, it was just intuitive. I knew, her, I knew that mm. it would be my partner. I don't know why, but it was her and she was better than me in English. So it was helpful too. And uh, yeah, we decided to, to make this thing. We asked to people to explain their experience but not in a detail, because the problem with sexual violence is that there is a voyeurist mm -hmm. thing that people want to know uh, what the happened details. in details. But yeah. no, we don't want. We just ask to people where it was, when, what you were wearing, but not in not in the in a mean way. Just to say that usually people are wearing a jeans or mm. they don't have like. Uh, um, they are not naked or as the stereotype ID that you. Uh, you make you made it happen mm -hmm. like, like it's and, your fault 
And so we, we made like the, this project with testimony, but we arrived to a point after like maybe five or six testimonies um, together, we say to each other, okay, we don't want to make a dark documentary. We don't want that people will cry just after watch it. We don't want that. We just want to um, continue, like to just put this statement. Sexuality is one of the most beautiful thing in the human being life. Mm. But in its darkness, in one is one of the worst. So, so it's more about like debunking like the whole thing yeah, also, right? Yeah, it's exactly. just so that um, because as you said, Sunday afternoon, right? For many people, it's like oh, the rape happened at night, happened in a club. It was a stranger, right? But like for many people, it's actually many perpetrators are I don't know family members, mm -hmm. you know, or like close friends, or like yeah, it happened during the day, not at night, right? So it's also about that, right, Cecile? Yeah, or that's for sure. So when it comes to this, uh, actually, in the Netherlands, the statistics are 79% of rapes are committed by an acquaintance. So like you said, that can be a family member, mm. a friend, a partner very often too. Uh, they also found out that that percentage is actually even higher in a university setting. So at Maastricht University, we thought that was quite important to bring that up. Uh, and most of our uh, testimonies are from students. Um, then going back to the list of questions that Dara mentioned, so mm. we do talk a lot about, you know, who was it, who was that person to you, when did it happen, but then we also talk a lot more about what happened afterwards. So we're not so interested into the event per se, but more the reaction of the victim following the event. How did you cope with it? How are you feeling nowadays? And most mm -hmm. of them are answering us that they're actually feeling quite well, quite which okay. is very positive, I think. Um, Talking to someone often helps, right? Just such a small mm -hmm. act, like often lets the, the steam out. Yeah, and also when we're when we're asking them, you know, why did you decide to join this documentary? Why did you decide to come with us today and talk about your experience? A lot of those, uh, a lot of them answer that it's because they feel like they're helping other people by doing so as well. And I think that's important in a recovery process too. Um, <coughs> but then when it came to the questions, one of the things we're asking as well is if you could get any sort of assistance nowadays, what would it be? So I'm mm -hmm. also using this documentary as sort of an analysis for We Care to know, okay, there is a demand for something particular. How can we make that happen? Um, a lot of them answered that they'd like to have a support group, which is currently not a thing in Maastricht. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's yeah. something we're currently working on to see if we can set that up also with the help of Consent Matters. Um, and I think that would be very important to have because I think there is a misconception that you have been a victim of sexual violence and then, you know, you're feeling very bad for the next, what, four or five months. Uh, and then somehow you just go through therapy or something and you get over and it. And then it's okay, huh? Yeah, but it doesn't seem to be that way. It mm. doesn't, it's not like the victim, I mean, this is a very big generalization I'm making here, um, but it's not like the victim just suddenly gets better and then it's, everything is fine. It's more like you have sort of uh, darker periods and lighter periods, of course. And we just need to make sure that someone is present during those, those uh, darker periods. And I think it's like Katinka. all, yeah, I think it's like all experiences that I think it's like all experiences that you have in your life um, where it's something that you went through and that's part of you from that point on. And if you can see, you know, you can manage that and so maybe learn to live with it if it was really heavy or sometimes, yeah, you go on with life. But it's always going to be a part of you, right? Like every experience that we have mm. in our lives. And I think the way I hear you guys talking about what this movie is going to look like and how you're handling this and how you're talking to these people. I think that's absolutely beautiful and a really nice opportunity as well for these people to get the word out. Because like you said, there's a lot of people. If you say how many people want to join you guys already, so many people that have these experiences. Uh, and I think it's really nice that 
you get it out there in a in a beautiful way but also something to say to everybody like this is actually happening like you said not at night not in a dark club not just because she was wearing a mini skirt or because he was there but it's just something that can happen yeah. but another important thing before we jump to the song which is we are going to do afterwards i think what's also important is like the the image of not pitying the victims you know yeah. we should be supporting them encouraging them to step out but like we should not put them down because that's also like the a common misconception and something mm -hmm. that we are going to talk about after the song the song is going to be what is our song i wish i knew how it would feel to be free by nina simon we have very very powerful voices today yes by Nina Simone. Just a reminder, this is Student Radio Maastricht, 107.5 FM, RTV Maastricht. Um, in the break, we were kind of chatting about narrative. Um, and the narratives we are presented as people who, I don't know, 
or talk to about sexual violence and sexual assault. And there's definitely a narrative we are presented that it's not the narrative that is reality. Um, so I know, Zara, you wanted to mention terminology. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Uh, yeah, I think words are really important mm -hmm. and especially in this case and how you just said, like, uh, Katinka, um, about the, the fact that we our identity should not be sticked around um, what happened. So that's why I am against to use survivor or victim. For me, victim is mean that you were just a prey, so you were uh, um, just vulnerable. And I, I don't like this narrative. And survivor, it means that you almost died and that now you're just like kind of ghosts. Yeah. Mm. So for me, it's just you... Unfortunately, you experienced that and you like the best answer and the best words to describe you is you. You are this person. It happened to you. But that's it. Your identity is not sticked. It puts you in a way stronger position as well. If you are a survivor, if you're a victim, then you're always going to be a victim. And it's it's never going to be on you. It's never going to be something that you can do something about mm. when you are a survivor, then it's a part of you and you are a strong person and you can still do the things you want to do in life. So I think that's a better way exactly to for the terminology. But yeah, I, I think that both of those terms are actually necessary because I think victim for certain people is necessary to identify with so that you can understand the pain and, and put a word on the pain because yeah. you have been a victim in that case. This is nothing you chose. This is not something that you did. This is something that just happened to you. Um, survivor is the more powerful term, uh, which I, I think is also necessary for some other persons. Um, but then again, it really depends, I think, on the process in which you are at the moment, but also on how you feel as a person. Uh, most of them tell us we had, uh, you know, the imagery of like a glass of water and that's you and this is just one drop in there. And it's kind of like those traumatizing events. I think we've all been through some different traumatizing events in our lives. And this is one of the big ones for the, for those uh, victims or survivors. But it still does not define them completely. And at the same time, it also means that you don't necessarily want to be talking about it in front of everybody. You know, it's mm. like if your mother died when you were a really young child, it is a part of you, but you're not necessarily go around telling people just because you feel like you have to. That doesn't make any sense, in my opinion. Yeah. No, that's true. Mm, and it, no, I was just going to add that I think we're, again, we're fed a narrative of what experiencing sexual assault is. And then having that experience and then recognizing that there is autonomy in saying, no, this is not my experience. Um, there's a lot of sovereignty in that, that I think, especially in, in uh, sexual assault, sexual harassment, there's that kind of power that I've lost my autonomy. How do I get it back? And I think the documentary is um, a really remarkable route to take because it offers that chance to reclaim autonomy verbally um, about what's happening, what happened to me, how am I dealing with it, who am I even? Um, and of course, when we talk about these experiences, not only is someone being experienced upon, there's also someone doing the experience. We were talking about who the perpetrators are, because there's not only one type of survivor, one type of victim, but there's not type, no one type of perpetrator. Or is there? Well, I don't think there is, but I think there, I mean, we can see from our interviews um, that there is a general kind of um, 
atmosphere around the aggressors, I would say. Mm -hmm. But it's also about, you know, we have very often a very clear picture of who is the victim, usually a helpless woman um, or girl, young girl. Um, but I would like us to focus a little bit as well on the aggressor so that we remind ourselves, okay, this is not just the victim and we have to take care of her, but we also need to do something with the aggressor on the other side that might mm -hmm. go on and perpetuate some more. Uh, and who is this aggressor? What kind of profile do these persons have? What kind of methods are they using? And uh, from research that has been done, we can see that there are certain type of coercive, I'm going to say men, although there are also coercive women, the majority are still men. And there are certain ways that they use, such as isolation, but also uh, guilt very often, which you know goes with the whole denial procedure that you have after having uh, experienced sexual violence. And I think it's important to just talk about this so we can also recognize certain risk factors that are present in certain situations. Yeah. So if someone behaves in a certain way already towards you, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. So if you have a friend of yours that you know keeps on inviting you for drinks and keeps on kind of being pushy to bring you back home and everything, mm. that's usually a sort of warning sign of I don't I want to be very careful we're not going into victim blaming here it's normal for you to be trusting your friends I think that's yeah. pretty basic and I think the difficulty is that um, perpetrators of violence are in positions of power whether that be uh, institutional power or social kind of a social status and unfortunately most of the power um, in our society is given to men imp implicitly mm -hmm. um, also explicitly um, so that's that's where you find this really toxic kind of dominance mm. because there is so much social freedom offered to men um, and people in power it's kind of it's easy to find places where that's misused i have a question to celine well to either of you girls actually since both of you worked on the on the documentary um you found like different cases right but like was it like it was mostly i suppose men and women right i mean men raping women um did you have you, you said you had two men come out like was it also like reverse situation or so we had one man that was assaulted by another man mm -hmm. um and it was very difficult to find him. are all of these cases from maastricht actually or so most of them are from maastricht uh, we have also quite many cases coming from belgium um mm -hmm. and i think one thing that is quite important to mention as well is we have the case of an elderly woman that we are going to interview very soon mm -hmm. and where uh, for us it's also important to have her because it goes to show that this is intergenerational it's not just you know something it's that just is just coming up from it. exactly this has mm -hmm. been existing and in place for ages already uh, and then also we have a man that's been assaulted by a woman and a woman that was assaulted by another woman so for us it was important so that every victim can sort of I mean of course they won't completely but in a way still recognize their scenario mm -hmm. within it I think it's more about awareness as well, the documentary, but also the way that you approach it. And like you j just said, I don't want to go on victim blaming, but just be aware of what is happening and how it's happening and to whom. Because like you say, it can be a child or somebody in college, but also an elderly woman or an elderly man. It's everywhere. Well, with that being said, <coughs> Zara, please don't get me wrong. I still love the song. It's I Will Survive by Gloria Gaynor. It's a beautiful song with a beautiful message as well. You're going to jump to it too. of me. 
we were chatting. Well, we were chatting. Um, and I know you guys brought up some some points in the break that we wanted to address. Can I uh, can I segue to those? Um, yeah, I was thinking about how we received the doc- uh, the testimonies. Yeah, in the documentary, as as I previously mentioned, uh, Cecile is more rational than me <laughs> and more emotional. It doesn't it doesn't mean that Cecile doesn't have a heart. Okay, it's just that <laughs> <laughs> she's uh, she can like more control her emotion than mm-hmm. me. And uh, yeah, at the beginning, like Cecile asked me like if I wanted to stop because it affected me a lot. Um, because when you receive so many things, like for one of the testimony, the girl had been um, raped by her the cleaning the cleaning lady of her na- neighbor. Another one was telling me that it was popular girls who usually does not didn't uh, talk to her and invited her uh, to a party. And um, and the the brother of one of them uh, raped her. Uh, another one was like uh, a girl telling us that um, it was her boyfriend. She was sleeping, and when she woke up, he was inside her. Yeah. And those all those stories like are really like affecting. But I I I didn't want it to stop because I think it's important that. They, they, they have to be heard. They, they have to to come. Mm. And uh, what is amazing is that some of them, like one of the last question of the the interview, is how are you now? And one of uh, one of them uh, told us um, it was only a um, sand, like a grain of sand, a grain, a grain, a grain of, sand. of sand in my life. Mm. Yeah, and I find it amazing. Yeah, and yeah. I, I think, oh, sorry, no, well, we I was, we keep interacting yeah, each yeah, other. I was, yeah, I was going to say that sexual violence isn't. It's a personal crime, right? It's so, it's so personal, and that's so difficult because those are relationships. Um, and I know a lot of questions, like a question people ask often is, "Why didn't you say something? Why didn't you report this? Why didn't you say something about this person who's been hurting you like this?" Um, and I know that's a that's a point you so you wanted to talk about. Yeah, because so currently rape and sexual violence is dealt with under criminal law, which makes it very very public. At this point, it's not a private matter; it's actually society versus the the rapist at that moment, and that makes it very very heavy on victims for many many different reasons. The very first one is the simple issue of denial. Um, not every victim goes through this, but many of them do, meaning that once they have been raped or been through sexual violence, they're not going to realize it. Up until six, eight months later, because at that moment they're still trying to rationalize what happened. The reason they're trying to rationalize what happened is because very often they had a relationship with the person, often a trust relationship or a loving and caring relationship. Uh, if that person was your boyfriend, for example, are you supposed to just suddenly break up when you actually love that person, perhaps live with that person, sometimes even share children? What is this that... You don't want this experience and the fact that you're trying to press charges taken even bigger toll on your life and I think that's a very very understandable reason um, then because it's not just boyfriends often huh like I yeah. mean I've had friends that was like years ago but like when grandparent was involved you know like exactly. it's just like the repercussions for the family you know like often doesn't mean it shouldn't be because it has to be every single one of these cases should be reported but like the the reasoning for them for them not being reported is always yeah 
Yeah, and so I, I think oh. that's for every person to decide. Like you say, should be reported. In a way, I get that. That's just emotional response, essentially. Yeah, you know? I, I feel you because you you want these people to be acknowledging what happened to them. Also, for other people that it might happen to with the same uh, aggressor, maybe. But then again, like Cecile says, it, it's up to the person. Maybe sometimes it doesn't even help to report what happened. Some people have to deal with it on their own maybe find their own way and reporting it and going through that whole process might even do more damage than good. I think what Raffle said is important in the sense that ideally, yes, we would want every single yeah. victim to go and report to the police from a practical reasoning. However, we do have a, to understand personal circumstances. Mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's a family member, for example, what does this mean? Does this mean that now you're taken away from your home or that you suddenly don't have a caretaker anymore? Um, or your family looks down upon you. Exactly, as well, because we don't know the, your, your current circumstances. Mm -hmm. And also, what if it is a friend of you and he's also part of the big group of friends that you have? Uh, you may also ask yourself, you know, who's going to believe me? Because we have to remember that in popular culture, very very often victims are not believed or have, you know, allegedly secondary motives to be doing so. Um, so that's also something that's always on the victim's mind and that makes it extremely hard to go and press charges. And if you do decide to press charges, you're going to have to go through a legal process that is very uh, non-emotional and very, very cold and dry. And that is very difficult to go through when it is such a personal invasion. Mm. And yes, if I can just add a small thing on that, is that... Um, if we ask to some people why you didn't report, the answer is really mainly, oftenly, um, is going to change what happened. Yeah. It's not. It's not so, okay, maybe this person is not going to uh, hurt someone else if the the trailer is going, the person is going to go to, to jail or stuff like that, but... Um, the person had been hurt that's it and you cannot really avoid it well sometimes what it changes as we said earlier like just the fact that they were able to talk to someone you know okay. it's not even about i don't think people who well okay were or were not victimized depending on the etymology but uh, i don't think that for them it's important that the person gets punished um, it's for them, it's important that it's acknowledged that, m that maybe they were hurt and that's it, you know, mm. sometimes that would help or... That's do true, but yeah, I feel like you do, some of mm. them do want punishment, but some of them also feel like the response, uh, if it were to go through, uh, would be a little bit too harsh. Mm -hmm. um, but also you have to remember this is a legal process, a criminal legal process, which takes a lot of time. There is an investigation, they're going to dig up some dirt onto you and you're also going Expose to Expose you essentially. As well, which is very, very difficult to go through especially if you're going through there alone without someone who's there to support you and that's why we care is also important so there is someone on the side that is there to be on your side supporting you warning you about you what's well. going to happen exactly. Do you have an idea about how many people actually go through that process and how many maybe a percentage or something um actually or yeah successful can i call it that way i don't know how to say this That's properly but extremely difficult to say because there we're going into legal matters and when it yeah. comes to the legal standard of holding someone responsible that's always beyond reasonable doubt and that's very very difficult to assess because it doesn't mean just because you've been convicted doesn't necessarily mean you did it and just because you've been acquitted doesn't mean you didn't do it so that's mm. very yeah. difficult and then we have to remember as well the whole gray area the gray number of victims that have never even spoken up about it uh, let alone press charges so i those numbers are so difficult to estimate okay thank you <laughs> i was unfortunate i mean i wish yeah. i had an answer for you yeah because i can imagine um a victor or a survivor thinking well 
if I can go, I can press charges, but go through that whole legal process and maybe in this specific situation, it's not going to do anything anyways. Mm. That can hold you back as well. Yeah, well, the legal process is not always this bad. We have a lot of wonderful policemen and policewomen that are doing a really great job as well. Mm -hmm. So that's also, you know, the police is on your side there. They are they are the persecution. So they are the ones who are going to listen to you and yeah. believe you and help you out. But it is a difficult process. We will talk more about the process um, in detail about the song. It's Should Have Known Better by Sofian Stevens. Should have known better by Sufjan Stevens. Stevens. Sufjan. Sufjan. Okay, we 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 have a <laughs> terrible tendency to like mispronounce <laughs> names of artists. Um, so to wrap up the episode, we are still here with the weaker with uh, Cecile and Zara talking about well your experience with dealing with victims of sexual violence, mostly with your documentary as well, which called the sunny afternoon. Called mm -hmm. the sunny afternoon. So tell us. The, the the last statements the last statement is that it's really like um a project with heart but no money well just like <laughs> most of our projects yeah. anyway so. so mainly i am um, a matter director 
I would love to be a director, <laughs> but I just have a camera, a mic, and how you say, like the settings, le pied? Yeah, the pied? <laughs> the setting, I mean, the stage. That sounds like a director to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah, so I'm, I just have like things and I did things with them. And uh, yeah. So it's a rather like low budget movie, that's what. Yeah, low budget. Not, not in a bad way, of course. Not in a bad <laughs> yeah, of way. course, but. It's what matters is the spirit, not how much money was put into it, right? Yeah, but no low, uh, no low in heart and uh, emotion and with motivation and really mm. like a kind um, goals and achievement with it. So yeah, and uh, if uni want to uh, participate. Uh, to the the budget or like maybe for the projection we are They're very welcome <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. i have a question to celine right because cecile sorry thank you at the end of the show Ralph, but, uh, <laughs> you almost made it <clears throat> so close so close no matter how far um my question to you because let's hope not i mean i would hope that people who need help would be listening to us but like let's hope there there is like less and less people like needing this kind of advice mm-hmm. right but like let's say something happened like what's the procedure that people should follow like when they feel that they got harassed sexually assaulted or raped so there are different options that are open to them the i would say the very first thing that you can do is to contact at ease Uh, which is an association here in Maastricht that, uh, and, and also in Amsterdam and in other con- uh, cities in the Netherlands mm-hmm. that can help you with psychological problems. So that is the first step, I would say. Um, if you have just been the victim of an assault, uh, you should definitely go to the Centrum for Sexual Geweld. Uh, it is here in Limburg. It is a little bit far away from Maastricht, but still accessible by train, uh, uh, by bus or by bike. It's still ridiculous how huh? a city of 150,000 people doesn't have a center like this. Yeah, I... I very much agree with have three <laughs> clubs in the city and no support centers wow, we have five clubs in well ten clubs if you think of every <laughs> if garbage you take location. all of them yeah, yeah. Then, and i think that's really quite terrible but the centrum for sexual geweld uh, does a lot of really really a wonderful job for victims so they're really very uh, good to be talking to and they mm. can also potentially give you a medical exam if you require so as well where are they Um, they are uh, up north of Limburg. I can post. Uh, I will post uh, the location as well online on our website too. So you can also check us out on yep. WeCare on Facebook. Um, there you can also contact us directly in case you need any more information on how to go, or if you don't want to go alone, for example, some one of uh, one of our uh, volunteers can join you, or if you just want to talk about it in a more friendly kind of peer-to-peer setting, that's mm. also something that we can Not do. Not just like you, an institution, how? Huh? Exactly, pretty much. Um, and then the last thing that you can do as well is to, because a lot of students don't know this in Maastricht, but in, if you want to go to a psychologist, you need to get a referral uh, from your GP. So you need to go to your general practitioner and say, hey, I have, which is very difficult, all mm-hmm. right, because this is a very, very intimate issue. Uh, yeah, but you GPs have to, aren't really like... Not really, and you don't really feel that comfortable talking about it with your GP. So I would say it's 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 very difficult, but you're going to have to go through that step where you tell your GP, Mm -hmm. "Hey, this happened to me, and I really need a referral to to a 
you know, trauma therapist in order to deal with this. And this is the way that you can get help. The problem is that they have very long uh, waiting lists. And that's why we would like, we're currently working with staff members and other student associations to create an office dedicated to sexual violence with Mass Hunter University, with a hotline, opening hours, trained trauma therapists. Opens. I'm sorry. But yeah, well, we are waiting. We are waiting. We are working. We have. Uh, we are setting up the budget as well, so that mm. the university can stop telling us. Yeah, we have no money. I'm more um, amazed at the fact that institution like university like finds money to you know support like student clubs and whatever, yeah. and they don't have money to support potential victims among student population. You well, know, that's a bit of a discrepancy. We've taken a very different angle on how to sell this to the university mm. because we tried you know the whole student well-being thing, and that really didn't work. They just simply don't care that much. Of course not. So we're going with GPA instead. Um, mm. There has been a lot of research that has mm. shown is that if you have been a victim of sexual violence, your GPA drops and you have higher chances as well as simply completely dropping out of university. Oh, wow. And so they are worried about economics. So exactly. We're going full on budget and like, hey, you're losing money because of this. So please do something. And I think that will give us a little bit more uh, image and uh, mm. motivation from them. No, you need to wrap up in two minutes. Yeah. One final one. One final sentence, Zara. Uh, you ask a really important question. If a person wanted to or need help, uh, um, uh, yeah, you, you can like um, uh, follow the page We Care on Facebook. But what I wanted to add, hopefully I have Cecile with the practical and rational things. But if this person does, doesn't want uh, to talk or just to share this story, just uh, a reminder, uh, it's not your fault. Uh, it's not the fault of your clothes. It's not your fault of uh, the moment when you were out. It's not your fault if you were drunk. Um, you could no, not avoid it. That's really important. You could not. And just keep in mind that the fault is always like like the person who hurt who you, did it to you who did it to you and not you and uh, that's my last words <laughs> yeah. beautiful words thank wow. you guys so when is the, when can we see the documentary when will it be done and on screen so ideally we are currently struggling with editing like anyone who has been trying to do any movie knows um, so not just movies <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> videos all, all over podcasts yeah. as well <laughs> yeah 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 it's a pain but well we, we work with it um, so we are hoping for uh, March or April uh, we will be shot we will have different screenings we have different student associations that have agreed to have a screening with us so we're very very excited about that uh, if you want to know more you're more than welcome to of course either send us a message directly on WeCare but you can also contact us by email if in case you want to remain anonymous then you can use wecare.project.sunnyafternoon at gmail.com and then we can either organize a meeting or simply answer back to you by email mm. okay thank you well thank you girls for joining us thank it's you. a very important topic thank you so, it like, was lovely <laughs> um, as for our cultural agenda which is our ending I think there's carnival coming next week, so it's not definitely carnival coming. Uh, one free event tomorrow, skate cafe. They keep popping up every Thursday. Like might be worth checking out in Nababalang. As for the rest, we'll see. Our event is done. Was great, fucking fantastic event. There's more <laughs> coming on the 20th of March. So join us in B32. Also, maybe for the screening, there will be a fantastic sp uh, space to screen your movie. Um, 
thank you guys thank you Anastasia yeah. for well thank being you. the host now I kind of stole your road <laughs> that's um, okay thank you Celine and Zara for thank joining you for us thank us. you yeah. Katinka for being the tech yeah you're welcome code 043 and RTV Maastricht 10705 for supporting us and this is our last song Verheven and Vergeten which is Forgiving and Forgetting, I yes, believe. Yes, it's uh, from a Dutch singer, though. She made a whole album about domestic violence uh, and all the profits from this album are going to an organization that supports people that have to deal with domestic violence. Bye-bye. <laughs> Met het verstrijken van de tijd verdwenen alle scherpe randen. Erosie heeft haar werk gedaan, verteerde het verwijt. Vergeven en vergeten, aan alles komt een eind. Vergeven en vergeten, dus ook Niet te lijden.